What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. And before we jump into today's conversation with Ariel Villa Piano, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps new people find the show and really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe and stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast and at Ari one Ray. I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Ariel Villa Piano. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Ariel Villa Piano, and she is the Associate Social Media Manager for Shark Tank's Barbara Corcoran, and I'm very excited to have her here on the podcast today. Ariel, welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. So where I want to start, I want to go all the way back. Where did you grow up, and what were you like as a kid? Oh, wow. Okay. Um... Like a short version of that is um, I was actually born in New York City in Hell's Kitchen, Um, but then quickly after I moved to New Jersey, Rutherford, Um, and then I kind of bounced back and forth between Jersey and New York um, once my parents split, so it's kind of like here and there, but now I've been in Jersey uh, for the past three years, Um, and as a kid, um, I actually drew a lot that was like, basically since I was out the womb, I just started drawing. My mom, um, she was an artist. Um, on top of like her, it was more like a hobby for her. Um, and I kind of picked that up automatically. Um, I was always painting, um, like to build blocks a lot at dollhouses. I was very into drawing people and I feel like I I don't know what it is about it. I just like people and like, you know, facial expressions. That was like my favorite thing to draw. Um, and I was also like a very outdoorsy kind of kid. I was always like exploring. Um, when I lived in upstate New York, we had, didn't have much there like at all. I don't know if you've ever heard of Greenwood Lake um, or Tuxedo, but super small towns. Um, And so we kind of had to make our own fun there. Um, That would be from like going in the woods and like building forts and um, yeah, just doing all the kind of like outdoorsy stuff. So I definitely did that as a kid. But then as you know, I grew up, obviously more technology came into the picture and um, you know, I started really getting into social media and, you know, teaching myself, um, you know, the different effects you can use for photos and Photoshop and then um, dabbling in a little bit of Premiere Pro. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. We're going to the present, so I'll stop right there. <laughs> Not trying to give my whole life story in the first, you know, five minutes of the podcast. So sorry about that. No um, worries. But I was um, just trying to give you a good transition of like where I am now. Yeah, no, 100%. And actually, so you mentioned art there. And I know you went to Keene University for graphic design and interactive advertising. So was graphic design, did you pick that just because like that was a way to express art digitally and express yourself through means like through a computer and stuff like that? Or what led to you going to Keene for that? Yeah, correct. So um, because I was actually super into drawing, like even all throughout high school, um, I wanted to obviously make money off of it, but clearly that's not the best option if you want to, you know, paint and stuff like that. I feel like it's hard to make a living off that. So I did want to try to do it digitally and see how far I could get with it. But the only thing is once I was doing graphic design, I realized that I did not like making graphics. Um, I had no, um, it, it's a lot harder than it looks. It's, I don't know if you've ever messed with Adobe Illustrator before. Have you ever used that before? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm not a fan of Adobe Illustrator. I'm more of a Photoshop kind of gal. Um, the same way. Yeah, it's super hard. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be that hard. So I kind of like lost a little bit of my love for it. And I was like, okay, I can do, you know, freehand. And I loved, you know, uh, using mixed mediums of, you know, paint and pencil and pen and everything like that. And it just, the same kind of passion I had for doing it uh, by hand wasn't translated when I tried to do it on the computer, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then so ultimately, was it when you kind of came to that realization? Is that when you transferred to FIT? Because I know you were at Keen for three years, right? Uh, I was at Keen for two or like two and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, So I transferred my sophomore year after my sophomore year. Um, It is a big reason as why, because they didn't have any kind of um, program that I was looking for. So the only other thing that would be aligned with what I wanted to do after graphic design, which was advertising, they didn't have anything around that. Um, It was mostly I could major in communications, which is a little bit too broad for what I was trying to go for. 
So um, I started researching and then I saw the Fashion Institute of Technology had a great program for advertising, marketing and communications. And you would never think that, you know, FIT has that kind of program. And I didn't know that they actually had something that good until um, I went to go visit the school. And then I heard, you know, a lot about the kind of classes I would take. And I was like, this sounds like exactly what I would need. And it was I think it was like maybe 5% of the price I was paying for Keene University. So I was like, wow, kind of a win-win here. Um, I paid out of state for Keene University. So it was like a little bit much. And then I dormed for the first uh, year and then it was just, you know, way too much. And FIT just became the great choice. So then I ended up transferring over. Mm -hmm. And so with that advertising and marketing, was that like, was it fashion specific or was it just more general? So it was definitely more general. They would, uh, you know, weave in certain brands and stuff that we would do projects on. But for the most part, um, it was up to our discretion. We could, you know, do brand, you know, as far as food and, you know, didn't have anything to do with fashion, you know, like Gucci or anything like that. It could be uh, based on whatever we wanted. Okay. And then, so when you were there, like you said, you wanted to get into advertising and marketing, but like, what did like career goals at that time, what did that look like for you? What did you want to graduate and get into? Sure. So, um, I became very interested in, I I say advertising, I was got very into like film and video and things like that. Um, so I never, I, I don't know if I would say I had an exact title in my mind for what I wanted to do after college, but I knew that I wanted to work with people. Um, I like to write copy a lot too. I did that at one of my internships. Um, so whether that was like writing stuff for commercials or being a part of, uh, the production side of things, I I felt like I would be happy in any kind of position there. Um, so it didn't really matter to me what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to be in the media industry. Um, and still right now, I think that me being in social media is awesome and great and I love it. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen in the next like five years or what I would do with my degree that I, I would be happy being on like a TV set, you know, writing, producing, anything like that. So I guess it's more broad for me and not as like, oh, I knew I wanted to be, uh, you know, what is it like a, cre- a digital creator or something like that or brand manager or something. I don't have a distinct title I'm looking for. I guess it's more of like the experience and what I'm learning day to day that I would value, I guess. No, that's fair. And I feel like with the industry, it changes so frequently and so fast that like you could have a job title in mind. There's a new job title in three years that you want to be. So it's kind of tough, I guess. It's been a tough question on my part. But And you mentioned your internship and I do want to get to that. But before we get there, I want to ask about your time as a DJ. So you're in a duo that was called The Oxperience. And I went yes. and I found that you were actually called The Jukebox first. Oh my gosh. Yes, we were. Um, we actually went through a few names. Those are the two that actually made a... Uh, you know, that we brought to light to people. Um, but yeah, so DJing was a lot of fun. Um, just a brief overview, like the whole reason why we got into it was um, I was also, oh, sorry, I was always uh, very into the EDM music, electronic dance music. Not sure if you're familiar, if you like DJs or anything like that. Um, but I got very into that. I would always go to festivals um, with all my friends. It was just like the funnest thing to do. Um, so once we started doing that, me and my best friend Tori, we would always joke, be like, oh, like, it would be so fun to be a DJ. Like, can you imagine us actually DJing? Like, that would be kind of cool, kind of crazy. And we're like, yeah, one day. And we would always joke about it. And then one day, um, I think it was like after we came home from a festival, and we were like, wait, why why don't we try this? If we feel like we could actually be good at it, um, we would always play, like, our songs for uh, people at parties. And our friends would always ask us to, like, go in the aux and, like, play your playlist. Like, we started to like research and get a whole plethora of like different songs that no one's ever heard before. So it just became like a thing for us, for us to always play our music. And then we're like, wait, we could actually do this. Like, why don't we try to learn? Why don't we try to teach ourselves? So we did. Um, and Tori actually made friends with a producer who's actually amazing. His name's Gio Nalati. Um, check him out, everyone. If you're ever interested, um, he does amazing work. He learned FL studio, which is a program for, um, making music, and he taught us basically everything we know. Um, he was incredible. We'd be at his house till like four in the morning just learning it. It's such a confusing program. Um, but he did an amazing job. And we actually made two songs with him um, through that. I don't know if you got to listen to either of those, but maybe they would be your style. Not sure. I found, um, I think it was a GPS, I think is one that I found. Yeah, there's that one. Oh, that's good. Did you listen to that? I did. I like that one. Oh, you did? Okay. I, yeah. Sometimes I feel like it can be a little bit too um, hard for people, but um, I'm glad you liked it. Um, but then after, yeah, after we learned, we produced for a little bit. Um, 
then we started to DJ. It was very hard for us to get gigs. Um, we, you know, A, we were two girls. No one really, I don't think people, we were two young girls. I don't think people really um, took us seriously. Um, we didn't kind of get the time of day when we were trying to find gigs or anything like that. Um, we did end up getting to DJ one time at, I think, oh, no, no, two times at Legends Bar in New York City. And then another time or another few times at this restaurant that my mom actually got us the gig for. So shout out my mom. <laughs> she did a great job. Um, and yeah, we did maybe I'd say like five live shows. The other ones would always be, you know, in our friend's basement or, you know, we DJed a college party one time, which was a blast. But um, it, it, it kind of became, um, I guess, evident that we weren't getting taken seriously. Um, so that kind of took a little bit of a toll on us and we were really trying to get ourselves out there and we really did want to be like the next, next like DJ snake or something like that. We had goals for ourselves to get to that level. Um, and we really, we, we were just best friends. We had the best time doing it. So that's why I stuck with it for so long. Um, we did, did end up having a little bit of a falling out, which kind of solidified that we didn't think that like this future was for us anymore. Um, but we worked it out and to this day, like we still will, um, you know, mess around in the deck sometimes at parties and whatever, but it's more of like a fun thing here and there now, not as much as like a hobby anymore. Mm -hmm. I did want to ask though. So you changed your name from jukebox to the experience because of legal issues, right? Actually. Yes. Wow. How did you know that? I can't honestly, I, I, I just dive deep down the rabbit hole and I forget where I pull half. I just like write everything down on paper and then I organize it after on my computer. So I can't remember where I saw that, but I was somewhere. I can't, I honestly can't remember. Wow. Damn. Good gonna, for you. Good research over here. Thank you. I was going to ask like, what was like the, like, if you can talk about it, like, what was the legal issues? Like, is it just like someone else had a similar name? So you had to change it or what happened there? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, there's, there's nothing I can't say about that. Um, basically on our SoundCloud, like we came up with the name, everything was good to go. Um, I don't know where this other page popped up from, but they were also called jukebox. And I think that they just played like jazz or something like that. Like nothing, uh, relevant to like what we played and they messaged us. We're like, Hey, um, you know, sorry to do this basically. Um, but we have the name, like we have a trademark, blah, blah, blah. Like you can't have this page. Like we own it. Like we're, we're going to proceed with like legal, uh, whatchamacallit. Like they were just going to say that they were going to do something about it legally if we didn't change our page, change our name. And I was just, we were both like, oh my God, like we worked so hard thinking of this name. We thought it was so creative. We were so about it. We even got sweatshirts made with this name on it. Like we were so proud of it. Um, so then we were super bummed when we got that message and we tried to like uh, work something out with them. We we're like, hey, like we're, we're two different genres of music. Like, do you think it'd be okay if we kept it until we thought of a new name and they're like no basically I think they gave us like a certain kind of time frame I want to say like maybe a month or so to change it um and then if we didn't <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> and then if we didn't do it in that month then they were going to proceed so um we eventually came up with something thank god but uh yeah they didn't end up doing anything because we got it changed in time so it was unfortunate but I actually like the experience way better anyway so worked out that's fair. And then did you say you only end up putting out the two songs or how many songs did you end up putting out? Yeah, we did put two songs out. The other one was called Momentum. Um, it's actually the sound, the SoundCloud page is actually under my friend Tori's name now. So I'm not sure if that didn't pop up, but um, those were the two we came up with. There was a few others that we were working on, but it is so hard to produce a song from start to finish, especially when you're just learning and like just starting to get uh, a hang of the, whatchamacallit, the program. There's this other program called, um, which was an a oh, Ableton. So Ableton and FL Studio are super hard to learn, especially when you are just beginning. Like people go to school to learn how to use these programs. And we were just learning from our like other producer friend who's amazing, but to teach us everything he knows and he's been doing it for eight plus years. Like there was just no way we could get to his level of excellence and in that period of time. So um, yeah, over the two, I think it was like three years we DJed, we only came out with those two songs and like we did, you know, playlists and um, we like did a guest mix on our friend Duffy's, um, whatchamacallit, he did like this kind of playlist or I guess some kind of set where he played the half and then we play other, played the other half. But um, yeah, I wish we could have came out with more. It just didn't end up happening. 
but can you kind of walk walk me through that process of what it looks like to put together a song you said it's hard to do and like i totally understand that but i'm just curious as to like what that looks like from start to finish and i'm really curious about how you know when a song is done because like as someone that does i've never made music but i've like done videos and my podcast everything so it's like i'm always like trying to get things like I'm not, I used to always try and get things to be like perfect. And there's always those like little 1% things I can do to try and make it better. It's like, at what point do you be like, okay, this song is done. Like, what's that process look like? Okay. So in terms of the process, I think it always starts off of an idea. You know, I'll use GPS in, as an example. So GPS, um, I had this idea where I thought it'd be really cool to have, it was honestly one of those like funny moments. Again, this came as like a joke and I was just like, oh, it'd be kind of crazy, kind of fun if, um, we came out with a song that was all about GPS and like the noises your GPS makes. And like right before a drop, like say something that the GPS would say. And it was thought of as a joke. And then we were, we were like, wait, what if we actually did that? And um, so she actually took the liberty and um, made that just with a producer and gave that to me as a birthday gift, like three years ago, funny story. Um, but in terms of creating that, I'd say it starts with an idea. Then I feel like it comes with like the drums. You want to have like that main bass sound I guess you would want to go for in terms of I guess it, it comes down to preference but I guess for us we always want to have like a good bass good drum something to dance to um and then if we wanted to do lyrics with that or not um this one obviously did not have lyrics in it it was more of just like little sound bites um but I feel like if you were to have lyrics like that's a huge huge component um and with EDM music I feel like sometimes it's not as needed or as necessary because it's more about the sounds and the design of um whatchamacallit the for lack of a better word it's just the different techniques and things that you can use to make it like the crazy wonky dubstep whatever kind of sound you want um but yeah so then the lyrics after that and in terms of finding out I guess when a song is done I don't know it's hard whenever you listen to a song like over and over and over again like when do you know uh, I wish I had a good answer for you, but I just feel like it's, I guess it's more of a feeling. Like it's just like, oh, that's it. That's when, you know, like there's nothing I would change, I guess, is my best answer for that. Mm -hmm. And then can you just kind of explain what it's like to perform? Like what the rush is like when you're oh. performing in front of people? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's scary. Um, I'm going to tell you this. My first show that we, we ever did together, me and my friend Tori, we, couldn't have had a worse uh first time experience like everything that could go wrong did go wrong um I don't know if you've ever you, do you have a Mac computer no I don't unfortunately okay well this is a good thing that you don't because if you were ever to DJ and this were to happen to you you would freak out um okay so anyway um so DJs usually if you are you know a pro you don't use a laptop it's usually just your use USBs which have all your songs on that you want to play connected to the mix deck but we were just starting out. We brought our laptop just in case. We didn't want anything to happen. We were, you know, trying to be extra careful because um, basically a computer, you can set up the software to it where you can make sure that the beats match um, best, basically. And you can hear it beforehand to make sure that it's not coming out and mismatching on the beat. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. It's so like when you're transitioning songs. I Sorry. That's what you need to make sure happens. So it's a smooth transition. So we bring the laptop and um, first things first, the sound equipment is just like not working. Everyone's kind of waiting around. We have a little bit of an audience, um, but we have some other DJs. It was like a line of us going. And I think we played second. It was like, I want to say like maybe like a 20 minute set per person. And our sound equipment was not working. So we're kind of like freaking out a little bit. We ended up getting it together. And then um, this is where the Mac computer comes into play. So for whatever reason, I had an old MacBook Pro and I had it set up in the middle of us and I go to put my phone down um, on the laptop. And when I did that, it was like in the right hand bottom corner, um, my computer just shut off. So it shut the music off. It shut the laptop off. It was absolutely terrible. And for about like three minutes, oh no, no, sorry, not three minutes. I'm, I'm getting, okay, maybe like a minute long we're freaking out the whole crowd is like oh no like they're trying to be supportive but it's like one of those like freak out moments where you're like I cannot believe that this is happening right now and we're just doing anything and everything as soon as I take my phone off the laptop because I've known that this can happen before because it has happened to me when I'm just like watching a movie on my laptop and I just put my phone down on the laptop 
and all of a sudden the screen goes black. And um, as soon as I do that, I think maybe 10 seconds later, it comes back on, the music starts playing. But like for my first show, man, like, come on, (laughs) did you have to do that? Um, It was nerve wracking. And I wish I could say that we got to play for, you know, a crowd of like 200, 300 people. We never got to have that kind of experience. Um, In terms of like us playing in a restaurant and the Legends Bar, it was, I don't know, I'd say maybe like max 50 people, which is still cool and still amazing. But I don't, I've never gone to feel the thrill of playing for, you know, hundreds or thousands of people. I think that would be truly something like incredible and actually probably addicting. I feel like that's why DJs go on tour so often and you know they go to all these places because there's thousands of people where you're feeling their energy and they're feeling yours and you're just playing and they're loving every second of it you know Mm -hmm. and i have one final kind of music industry question i guess you could make you could word it before we get into like your career and everything like that sure can you tell the story of how you ended up in a cardi b music video oh my god oh wow yes um I actually have a whole YouTube video about it. Um, I, I tried to be like a YouTuber for a short period of time. It didn't work out. But um, so there's actually a whole video about that. The shorter version um, is basically that, you know, me, again, my friend Tori and I, we would go out all the time. Um, we would, you know, meet promoters, meet friends. Um, some just interesting business opportunities, I guess, would arise sometimes. Um, as an example, just like, I don't know, the Cardi B music video is an example. They basically, the promoter, I guess, texted one of us. I forget who it was. Um, He was like, hey, what are you guys doing? Like, do you want to be in a music video? Blah, blah, blah. Like, it's going to be a fun time. Like, you'll get paid. Blah, blah, blah. All you have to do is just go there, just dance in the background. It'll be fun. And we're like, you know what? We have nothing else to do this Saturday. Like, why not? That sounds like fun. Who is it going to be? We don't know. Probably meet some friends. Cool. Great. Sounds amazing. Um, And then we get there, and we didn't even – know who she was at the time and she was only there for I think maybe like 10 minutes and um she was featured in the song I don't know if she she wasn't actually like the main wasn't like Cardi B's music video it was like she was in this other person's song yeah futuristic lingo right yes yeah and um it was just uh it was such an experience because we did not know what we were doing we were so out of place we were we, our job, by the way, we weren't even like the cute girls in the background of the music video or even the main girls in the music video. We were the girls that were throwing balloons on the people who were dancing. So we didn't even really make the music video. There was like, there was like maybe 0.2 seconds of us in the music video. But it's just cool to say that I was like in a music video with Cardi B, but only for 0.2 seconds. Yeah. And you mentioned your YouTube channel there. So you did it for about a year, right? Yeah, just about a year, I'd say. Yeah, it's like why? Like why did you end up stopping it? Did you get too busy, or like what was the reason there? Um, so I guess it was a combination of me. I, well, first off, it was, I guess, maybe disheartening to say because I was super excited to start it, and then I feel like I wasn't getting um, the instant gratification where I felt that like, oh, this video is going to do well. Like it was kind of hard to make content and then think it's going to do really well, and then it see that it's only getting, you know. 100 views 200 views and I after all the time that I spent editing it setting it up coming up with the ideas like it was a little bit uh, not as rewarding as I was maybe expecting it to be um so but the re- main reasons why I stopped was um the last video I made with my sister was like something I don't know it was like a food challenge or something um and this was that was actually the week before I had my interview for Barbara so it was kind of like a culmination. I just didn't see myself doing that after I got this job. It was kind of like I was in between jobs. I thought that YouTube would be like a fun thing. I could maybe make it a side hustle, whatever it was. And then once I got this job, I kind of wanted to make that my like entire focus, I guess you could say. And I didn't really feel the need to do YouTube as much anymore. And like I said, it wasn't as gratifying. So it just didn't feel right anymore for me to do. No, I get that. I think I've had like three different YouTube channels I've tried to start over the years and I've just never been able to see. Oh yeah. Like I totally get that. But I do want to now kind of transition over more towards how you got your job with Barbara, but I want to go back a little bit and you were an intern at Eagles Talent Speaker Bureau beforehand, right? Yes. Yes. And so like I kind of looked and it looked like you could, I looked at your LinkedIn. It looked like you did basically everything when you were there. You did (laughs) blog writing, podcast hosting, editing, video editing, social, like, can you talk about your time there? 
Sure. Yeah. Um, so the, the nice thing about Eagles town was it was like a five minute drive from my house. So, um, I was kind of just looking for something that was convenient. I was still finishing up school. Um, I wanted to be able to work a lot and, you know, not do the whole commute to the city just yet again. Um, so the internship went really well. Um, they did teach me a lot about posting and like, this was the first, um, job I had like handling social media accounts and that you know, that went along with what I was learning in school. So it was kind of cool to do that uh, simultaneously. Um, So yeah, I did a lot of article writing for speakers. Um, I even got to do, I think it was, was it one or maybe one or two podcasts where I interviewed um, a motivational speaker. So that was an interesting experience. I kind of, I stepped out of my comfort zone, I guess, a lot in that aspect. They did push me to do um, more than I would usually do, which was nice. Um, the only thing, it wasn't the kind of content, I guess, I was hoping to be creating for social media. Um, like, for example, their whole brand is, you know, to promote the speakers they have and, you know, what the speakers are doing and everything like that. Um, and I guess it was hard to make it as fun because sometimes I guess it just felt a little bit too serious. Whereas when I'm working with Barbara, like the creativity is like limitless. Like there's always something fun we can do, or, um, we're always thinking of new ideas to try out and, um, just like, yeah, just different photo shoots and stuff. So I just felt like it wasn't as fulfilling, I guess. Um, but they did teach me a lot and I did learn a lot while I was at that internship, which helped me now to where I am now. Um, but yeah, so I grew a lot, but I'm glad to be out of there and to where I am now, if that makes sense. Yeah. Outside of like tactical skills of like different things, like what are some things that they, that you learned there, like lessons from that your time when you were at that internship, other than like, like blog writing or doing social for the first time, like what's like some career advice or anything you picked up along your time there? Maybe management, I guess, like prioritizing and things like that. If, if that's a good answer. Cause, um, I feel like I was doing a lot and I guess that was like my first kind of setup to figuring out what was important for the day, what was important for the month and just, I guess getting a more professional sense of how I should handle my day-to-day business. Does that, is is that like a reasonable thing to go on yeah, about? No, Cause I feel like, 100%. cause you can learn that, but then when you're actually faced with doing it on your own and not being in a classroom or anything like that, it's totally different. I feel. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. But I was, my next question from there was, so Barbara was managed by Eagles talent, right? Yes. Yeah. So is that kind of how the opportunity came up? Like, is, was it through your internship there that you were able to get the job with Barbara, at least an interview with Barbara? No, it's funny. Actually, they were completely unrelated. I knew of her, A, because of Shark Tank, but also B, because um, Eagles Talent would do work with her. Um, so when I found the job opportunity for Barbara, I was actually on MediaBistro.com. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Is it just like a job board? Yeah, it's basically a job board. They do, um, you know, kind of different like articles and they do blog posts and things like that. But um they um had a I was just looking for a new job and I it's all about like TV job postings and production postings and things like that. So right up my alley. And then all of a sudden I see Barbara Corcoran's social media assistant. And I thought it was a joke and I was like, no way is that posted here right now. I was like, there's just no way. But I was like, okay, let me go and apply, see what happens. Yeah, all right. It's her posting. Got it. But I didn't believe that it was actually real. I don't know why. Um, I just thought that there was no way, but then I, the next day or the next two days within that time frame, I get an email from Lila, who's my coworker now. And she basically wrote out like, Hey, we got your cover letter and your resume. Um, we're very interested in having a interview with you. Like, would you like to, when are you free? And I was just like, Oh my God. So I was like, okay. Um, you know, I email her back. I tell her I'm available whenever we set up a date. And then I had my first Skype interview with her and my coworker now, Emily, Um, and then after that I had my one-on-one with Barbara in person and that was, that was a whole other thing. (laughs) I was going to ask, what is that like with a one-on-one with Barbara in an interview setting too? So it's funny because, um, I literally practiced, like I did mock interviews with my, each one of my family members multiple times. You don't understand the kind of anxiety I had. I was like, I'm meeting Barbara like the next week. Like, what am I going to do? What is she going to ask? Um, my dad and like my other, the rest of my family were like helping me come up with all the questions and possible things she would ask me. Um, so everything from my job to, um, you know, past experience, kind of like what we went through just before. And I was preparing myself for each and every answer. And, um, then the day I get there, she asked me nothing of what I practiced, not one question of what I practiced. 
um, she she has this thing where, you know, she doesn't really care about the resume. She's like, you know, when I, when I went in there, she was like, yeah, I know I looked over your resume, but I don't really want to ask you about that. Like, I want to ask you about you. Um, so for the first like 10 minutes, she was just talking to me about my family and like where I grew up, what did I do? She likes to get to know the person. She doesn't really want to read off of a paper when like she just wants to see if she can actually vibe with you and have a good conversation like would she want to hang out with you that's what she goes off of like would she like to spend time with you because then she would want to have you in her office basically um and I was super surprised that we actually hit it off and um you know we ended up making like jokes to each other by the end um and I what did she say to me she said um Oh, like, um, I'm 99% sure that you've got the job, but, um, you know, I do have to have this one other interview, but I just want to let you know that I think it's going to be you. And I was like, okay, great. Like, Barb, I've got the best filters for you. Don't worry. I'll take care of you kind of thing. And she was just like, oh, great. Cause it was, you know, to manage her Instagram and everything like that. So it was a nice little banter we had back and forth. Um, and actually when I left my interview, I, I called my dad and I started crying and I was like, I couldn't even get the words out yet. And he's like, Ariel, what's wrong? Was it that bad? What happened? And I'm like, no, dad, she likes me. I think I got the job. And like, he starts to get choked up. Like it was such a surreal moment to this day. I think it's just crazy that, you know, I am where I am because it's such a dream come true. So um, yeah, it was a great time. And then the next day I get a phone call um, from Lila and she's like, hey, just want to let you know in person, I mean, over the phone that like, you know, you got the job. We're so excited to have you on our team. And then not even that, not only did I get the job, she goes, by the way, um, we are leaving for Puerto Rico. Barb was serious when she asked you if you'd be willing to go because we're having like a huge, um, not huge, uh, like a big brainstorming session. Like we're trying to get the whole office out there for, you know, social media things and uh, just planning out the next year. She's like, would you go? And I was like, absolutely. What do you mean? So so I get the job and then I go on vacation like two weeks later with them. And it was, it was amazing. That's I, I've never had a better boss. I've never had someone just, you know, welcome me that way before it was, it's still mind blowing to me, honestly. That's insane. So can you kind of, I don't know what you can and can't share, but can you kind of share a little bit about what you guys talked about during that brainstorm in Puerto Rico? Um, yeah. So it was honestly, it wasn't as more serious. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say it wasn't more serious. It wasn't uh, like formal, like, you know, we got to the meeting and it was kind of just going over, you know, what's working right now for Barbara's social media, basically. And it was also like had to do with uh, the kind of shows that she was going on because she'll go on talk shows right now and, um, you know, discuss real estate or financial situations or um, just even like pop culture stuff on like Good Morning America. They just recently went on to um, do like little skits for Shark Tank because it moved back to Fridays. So it was just kind of figuring out, you know, how can we position Barb in a way that um, she'll be able to get on more TV and what can we do that's going to be different than, you know, everyone else is doing on social media. Um, and for me, I was a little bit more, uh, I guess, gun shy in the beginning because, you know, I'm sitting here with this woman who is a millionaire. She's amazing. She's accomplished so much in her life. I kind of want to take in, you know, her perspective of what she's thinking. Like I had my own ideas as well, but it was more, I guess, for me, a listening thing for me because I wanted to understand like what does she want to do what does she want to position herself as like moving forward what would she prefer to do I guess whether that's more um talking about real estate or does she more want to get into like the lifestyle topics and things like that on tv um so yeah we would go through her schedule is a big thing because it, it comes down to minutia things like when she has makeup on, when it, what can we do in that day? Because she doesn't want to get her makeup done every single day, obviously. So we make that day a media day. And what can we pack into this, these, you know, whatever, 10 hours we have to do with her? Can we bring her over for an interview at Daily Mail TV? Um, can we get her to do a podcast with someone? It's really figuring out how to get like the most bang for your buck like that day. Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. So can ask so when you're there in that environment, you're like doing all this planning, like what is the objective of her social media? Is it to kind of like build brand awareness, like relevancy almost to get those TV spots and stuff like that? Or like what's the objective like at the end of the day when you're trying to strategize for everything? I think it's definitely trying to get her out there more. Um, we always want to keep her relevant, keep her doing funny things. Like, you know, she's a seven-year-old woman. We want her to be out there and people being like a little bit surprised. Like recently we just did, um, you ever, you've seen like the dude with the sign, right? Yeah. I was that gonna ask him with that post. Yes. The Instagram account. So, um, a big thing for us is trying to get her to jump on like the trending things. Um, whether that's making TikToks for her and like coming up with like funny skits where, you know, people, it, it, I guess it's a little bit of like a, a wow factor for her. Um, we want people to be, 
we want her to then we want the audience to see her personality more you know they see her on shark tank and they know that um she's incredible she can also be a hard ass and she can also be like the sweetest woman ever so we also want them to see like she's a very lighthearted, uh happy go lucky person we want people to know that about her um so the dude with the sign example where we copied his whole strategy i don't know if people who are listening are familiar but basically this guy um holds up a cardboard sign and uh the the messages on the sign are always something so funny like this meeting could have been in an email or i'm trying to think of other examples he's done before like clean up your dog shit like maybe i shouldn't curse on this podcast i'm not sure but it's just funny messages like that and he grew up to i think he has like five million followers and he started out obviously from ground zero um i think it was just under a year ago he became popular if i'm not mistaken yeah, no, he's blown up pretty quickly on Instagram. Yeah, he but. did a collab with Justin Bieber. Like, it doesn't get yeah. bigger than that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so how does Barbara's social kind of, how does it differ platform to platform? Because I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the, the, like, the dude with the signpost was on all social platforms. So how do you go in to your planning knowing that each platform is going to be a little different? Like, what does that look like for Barbara? Sure. So um, the dude with the signposting, that thing that got posted to Facebook, Instagram, not Twitter, um Facebook and Instagram yeah and not LinkedIn so I think it it becomes like we know our audience a little bit whereas LinkedIn we're doing more of article and blog postings and giving more motivational quotes for people to look at because that is more of a professional side of social media whereas um you know Instagram it's not anything goes but it is more of a platform to be silly and um you know show more lighthearted side of yourself and um, and more or more a creative side and somewhat like that. So we chose Instagram and Facebook because of that. And I, I think Facebook, it was a little bit harder to translate because that's more of an older audience that she has on there, you know, families and whatnot. Um, but I, I think it did. I think it still did kind of well on there. I forget the exact number what we left off on. But um, and then Twitter decided not to just because it wasn't something that we felt would translate. And we don't usually connect Instagram post to Twitter anyway, um, because Instagram is so visual and it's like, we'll, we'll post some photos to Twitter, but for mostly, most of the time it's going to be on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I guess it, it just comes down to what we think people will like. There's also a setting on her Instagram where we decide, oh, should it be posted on Facebook as well? Or should this just be an Instagram post? And honestly, depending on what it is, that's when we make our decision. That's fair. And then what's like Twitter look like then? Because Facebook and Instagram are pretty tied together, but how mm-hmm. does Twitter differ? Um, I mean, I guess Twitter is more of just her talking points. Um, we have we use Hootsuite. So we have uh, tweets that go out every single day, and most of them are, um, whatchamacallit, motivational or inspirational. Um, but then we've also been doing commentary on things that are happening in the news, you know, whether that's with Harvey Weinstein or, uh, or sorry, Weinstein? How do you? Is it Weinstein? Weinstein? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, with Harvey Weinstein or, um, or something with the bachelor, it's kind of just all over in terms of like her hitting what is relevant to her and what is good for her to comment on. Like we don't usually steer into the political side of things. That's not her shtick. She doesn't, you know, she's never claimed to be a political person. Um, so it's just finding what works with her brand and what, um, she can add to the conversation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I found her YouTube as well. It was honestly smaller than I thought it would have been. Is that like a big part of the strategy going forward for your team is to kind of try and grow that account? Yeah, we're definitely trying to grow YouTube. Um, before I got there, I think she had 700 followers or something like that. Um, and we want to grow that because we can monetize that. So that's kind of huge for her to just make an extra side income, whether that's, you know, $500 a month or, you know, a few thousand, who knows. Um, so it's, yeah, right now we're at like, I think it's, what is it? It's two point, yeah, 2000 followers basically. Um, it's been a little bit difficult to get that to grow. I've been trying to do SEO tagging, search engine optimization. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it's not as easy. And I, I've ran into this struggle myself, just trying to get a video to not go viral, but you know, to pick up a little bit. Um, I do know the timing of when you post and like the day you post, that's a big factor. Um, and I think just, I, I'm the only person that's editing these videos. So it's kind of like just trying to figure out the scheduling and timing for 
how long can we edit this video? When can it go up kind of thing? So I'm currently working on like a calendar for that when it would be appropriate and when it would be good enough to get up on her channel. Mm -hmm. For SEO, are you using any tools like TubeBuddy or anything like that? Yeah, so I have TubeBuddy, but I don't pay for TubeBuddy on there. I don't know if it would be worth it. Do you pay for it? I don't pay for it. I have the free version. Yeah, so it only gives you those like three top tags that would be good for your video and you can't see the rest, which is unfortunate. But I mean, it is helpful a little bit when you can, do you ever search like, oh, how would, you know, hashtag business podcast do or anything like that? Yeah. So I'll search up and then like, I'll just search, like, I'll just search something up into YouTube for whatever I'm like doing for the podcast, like an, like a related example. So I might just search like for this one, I might search up like social media manager and then I'll go and click on some of the top videos. And then with the free version, it shows you how they tag their video and I'll see what's ranked for them and what's not. And like what, how TubeBuddy, like TubeBuddy will rank all of their tags if you click on it between like a bad tag or a really good tag. So I'll look for good tags that I can then steal and put into my video. Right, 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 right. I've actually done that with uh, Kevin O'Leary. His channel has grown a lot over the past, I think it was past few months. Um, and he's been super consistent. I've actually taken a couple tags from his channel because I'm like, oh, if his, t- if his channel's doing well, they're similar. They both are on Shark Tank. What can we um, use as well that might get our channel to go up? But um, it hasn't been as successful as I've hoped so far, but hoping in the next year or so, she'll be getting a couple more. Thousands. Yeah, no, for sure. And did you say she has TikTok as well? Yes. I don't know. Do you have a TikTok? I do. Yeah. Okay. How interesting is TikTok? I feel like it's such a weird phenomenon that's happening right now. It is. And like with TikTok, so I was like big, big in a TikTok, like end of 2019. Like I was like, even like when my personal content, I'd push TikTok hard and be like, everyone should get on TikTok. But I've since like really slowed down on it just because I think the algorithm is too good. You really? I, mean? I do. Yeah. I feel like, like I can just get sucked into TikTok for so long it's and like not even realize. It's worse than Vine. It's like you go down this black rabbit hole for hours. Well, not hours, but like I'll think I'm spending 10 minutes and I look up and then I'm like, it's been 47 minutes. What happened? Exactly. So I think like for in terms of brand building, like I think you can – pop off more easily on TikTok than any other platform also because of the way the algorithm works. But I don't know if those views equate one-to-one, like a view on YouTube and TikTok are two completely different things, but I definitely think it's a super interesting platform, but I've totally fallen off of it in terms of like producing content. I just, I'll consume it probably like before I go to bed intending to watch for 10 minutes. And like, to your point, it'll be like 45 minutes later. I'm like, shit, how did this happen? (laughs) Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, And I definitely agree with you saying that, you know, YouTube view is totally different from a TikTok view because TikTok, I feel like anyone can just get famous off of there now. It's kind of crazy how fast their their algorithm is just more randomized i feel like i could see a tiktok from three days ago whereas with youtube that won't happen yeah more yeah i think well youtube it might in terms of like the recommendations like i had a video on my personal youtube that's randomly popped off from like october and i haven't touched and over the last like three months it's been picked up in like oh really some weird way yeah but in terms of like instagram and stuff like i've i never seen instagram post like more than two days old but like to your point tiktok's does like they don't really care about timelines it's really interesting the way that they've got their algorithm set up and i think right. it's like i don't know i just think like i said i think it's super good because it always hooks me every time i go on there yeah it is it definitely is and then so like what is like what kind of i, I didn't actually get the chance to look at it but what does content on barbara's tiktok look like um so let me i actually want to pull it up because it's been again it's been more of a fun thing for her to do to showcase her personality um we've done the bippity boppity boo challenge that was like one of the first videos that got like you know i think it was like thirty thousand views or something like that but um we we kind of just make it want to make it more like behind the scenes like what happens at our office um what is she wearing today what is like a motivational quote we can put up if we're saying um just recently we did something for coronavirus and it was like a spinoff of like us having Coronas in the office and like dress up and like in cleaning clothes and everything like that. And like walking around with hand sanitizer. Um, and then we've also used it to like promote her podcast, 888 Barbara. So it's kind of just been a mix of things and just seeing what works best for her. There was um, a behind the scenes shark tank prank that she pulled that did really well. That was, I think that's her most viewed video. It has 436,000 views and then wow. yeah and I it was kind of surprising I was like every time it was refreshing that kind of instant gratification is crazy I'm just like whoa 90,000 like everything's going up this is awesome um so yeah I guess it, it's more of a, a t- experimental thing right now just seeing what works best 
but it seems like people are enjoying like the funny side of her, which is nice. Yeah. And then speaking of like experimental content, like what is the process look like for making the social posts? Like, is it, I know you had, like you mentioned there in Puerto Rico where you had that like planning sessions, like how far in advance do you plan out the content? Like how much of it is on the fly? Okay. So that's a good question. Um, so every Monday we have a Monday morning meeting where we discuss, um, things that are happening that week as well as things that are happening that month. So for example, if she's going to have a media day that month, whether she's, you know, going to go in good morning America or, you know, Rachel Ray or something like that. Um, I come up with a shot list and then we go over it together where we're figuring out, okay, what other celebrities are going to be there? Can we do something funny with them? What is she wearing? Can we bring a prop for what, um, the topic is going to be on Rachel Ray? Um, is there something we can tie in? Um, it's kind of just brainstorming any kind of content that we can either bank for a later date or, you know, use that day. Um, so in our Monday morning meeting, we're also talking about what's happening, you know, in the world right now. Uh, you know, the Bachelor finale, can she comment on that? Is there something funny that would be good for her to discuss? Or is there, um, you know, something that's happening in the real estate or, you know, the stock market is crashing? What can we say about that? Um, so that's more of what kind of questions we're asking in the, in the middle, uh, sorry, in the beginning of the week. Um, and then we have this content calendar where it's, it's kind of down to a science and because we know what has to be posted, you know, Monday, Tuesday, I'll kind of walk you through. So basically, um, let me go back. Okay. So on Mondays, basically we wanted to stick with like the motivational, um, I guess, post, whether that's you know, a picture of her on Shark Tank with some kind of, I keep saying motivational, I'm sorry, but some kind of quote that is, uh, you know, uplifting or helpful or educational or anything like that, um, that people can resonate with. Um, and then for Tuesday, we usually have her podcast, Business Unusual or 888 Barbara, or just one or the other that come out. So that's going to be a podcast promotional post. Um, for Wednesdays, we've been trying to make that like an IGTV or a video kind of day, but sometimes that changes whether that's, um, you know, if something's going on that day or if, you know, we don't have a video that we want to go out that week. Um, then Thursday is another like uh, additional podcast promotion, whether that's for either one of the podcasts. And then Saturday, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday – those are more um, on the fly slash like an inside look into her life, whether that's, you know, her having breakfast with her kid or, you know, if it, it was just recently her son's birthday and her birthday. And I guess those kind of things are when we would be more uh, free flowing with the content. It's not going to have to be a strict like, um, you know, podcast promotion. Like we want to show her life in those, you know more lean I guess Friday the weekends I feel like are a better time to be posting that kind of content okay and then speaking of like in terms of like the weekend where Barbara might send you content and stuff what's your schedule and like your day-to-day kind of look like because I know working in social media you can't really like take a weekend off because then you miss two days of potential postings like what does that look like for you yeah I mean during the week I know the kind of thing the kind of content that I have to be coming up with I'm also you know editing videos at the time I guess it's not a set schedule in a way where it's always changing because she could be in office when she's in office we're always usually doing something with media whether that's you know going from place to place or her going and doing an interview with you know Justin Long or having Rebecca Minkoff in the office um there's just so many different components that get mixed in with that um and then I guess on the weekends I feel like it's more or less just like posting stories and keeping up with what she's doing but it's a lot of a lighter workload for me it's not um as intense as it is during the week Mm -hmm. and then i want to ask so have you been on set for shark tank i guess with barbara yes um i went to set for the first time in june oh it was such an experience it was so fun um that was definitely something really cool to just get to know like how everything works and you know all the people that come in and out and even getting to try some of the food that the entrepreneurs bring that was really cool um yeah I loved it yeah so do you get the chance to interact with the sharks at all or like I know sometimes they must filter through the office on occasion like do you get the chance to interact with them every once in a while yeah um I got to meet everyone um when I first went there you know it's kind of an intense uh I think they filmed for 16 hours or something like that they do it in blocks so it's it's a long day um there's always like food flowing through um people are just there all day long um so yeah I got to meet Kevin I got to meet Lori got to meet Mark 
Um, I think I'd have to say Barbara and Mark are like my favorite two sharks. Very down to earth people. Yeah. And then, so through your time with Barbara, maybe Shark Tank is the, is the answer to this, but have you ever stopped and kind of look around and been like, holy shit, like look where I am right now. Just kind of like reflected in the moment where you are. All the time, all the time. I, I, this is a, I, like I said before, it's kind of a dream, excuse me. It's kind of a dream come true of even just being on the Shark Tank set. Like, I'm just like, what is my life right now? Like, I don't understand why this is happening, how this is happening. Um, there's been so many times where, you know, I just, I, I've literally, I'm an emotional person. So I've like literally cried just, you know, thinking about how far I've come, especially because I've, you know, I've had shitty jobs in the past. I've been a waitress. I've been a cashier or register. Like, I'm sorry, I've been a cashier before. Um, just like ringing people up. Like I've had plenty of times and plenty of jobs that I have not felt happy in and just felt like I wasn't going to be anywhere where I am today. I don't, I still don't believe I am where I am today. Not saying it's like anything crazy, crazy, but it is for me because I know where I've been in the past. Um, so yeah, I've had pinch me moments multiple times and even just going on vacation with her. Like I just don't ever, yeah, I, I, people ask me sometimes they're like, so like, are you going to stay there? Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm trying to be in this job position for as long as I possibly can. I've never been treated better by a boss. I've never, you know, had more, uh, collaborative, helpful employees, not employees, uh, collaborative, helpful coworkers or anything like that. So it's, it's a very surreal job for me, for sure. And then people say that you're a product of the the people you surround yourself with the most. So like, what are some things you've taken away just being in all these cool environments with Barbara, whether it's just being in the office or at a place like Shark Tank? Like, what are some takeaways you've had for being around so many successful people? That's a good question. Um, I think being <clears throat> being prepared, being organized, um, I guess always thinking kind of like when you're like Barbara's a very like on the go, like, what can we do? What can we make fun? Like she's very, she's always thinking, she's always trying to do something. Um, so I guess it's, I guess maybe in a way, not that this is a bad thing, but sometimes there isn't an off button, I guess. Like it's just like constant free flowing of coming up with new ideas. Um, where I feel like other times in past jobs, there was maybe a little bit more of a downtime or something like that, where, as when when I'm with Barbara, it's like constant thinking, how can we, can we get a picture in front of this sign right now? Like what would be the best uh, caption for this? I don't know. I guess it's more of a, an ongoing thought process. Does that make sense? No, it makes sense. I was going to say her energy, like just from watching the content you've posted for Barbara, her energy just seems insane for 71 years old. Like it's crazy. I'm not even kidding you. I don't know how she does it. She's like a little energizer bunny. I could never do what she does. She's just, she's always going all the time. I don't know how. I'm glad that you get that energy from her though. I'm glad that you see that. Yeah, no, I definitely get that through her content. But one thing I wanted to ask now, we might not be able to talk about this, but I was just curious as to how your team handled her, the kind of like the PR issue with where she came out and said she lost $400,000 in a scam. Like I just was curious as to how internally your team handles that. And if we can't talk about it, that's totally fine. And I'll edit this whole part out of the podcast. Um, yeah, it's not that I, I well, there is like, you know, some things that I can't speak about. Sure. I guess I'll, I'll speak mm-hmm. on it more. Um, broadly um but basically when that got found out um it was definitely a shock to our office um but the the I go I will say the good thing about Barb is you know she didn't come at you know our office or even um any of the workers that uh were dealing with it with any anger she handled it she was like okay how are we gonna manage this there's no point you know getting upset getting angry. Um, let's just figure out if there's anything we can do. Um, I just think that is just so admirable, um, to, you know, not rush into rage or, you know, you know, immediately fire someone or whatever the case may be. Um, she just handled it with such grace and, you know, just kind of looking at the situation matter of factly and was just willing to do anything to, um, A, get the money back and B, kind of, you know, make this whole thing go away. And now we have new systems in place. I think we have like a two-step verification. We have to call now to um, make sure that uh, the amount of money and where the money is going is correct and everything like that. So she kind of was just ready to take the next precautions. Um, And then, yeah, I, I can't go into too much detail, but that's basically what I can say for her handling the situation was just very admirable. And um, thank God she actually ended up getting her money back anyway. So crisis yeah, averted. No. Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I was also kind of curious as more like on the social side, how your team handled it. Like, 
in terms of communicating with the public. Cause I saw there was like a Facebook post that came out from Barbara's account about like how to, if you can share like how your team on the social side handled all of that. Yeah. I mean, um, so we did want to make a comment because, you know, TMZ got an article and then it kind of blew up all over the place. Um, so we were, you know, telling Barb that it's, you know, going on multiple, uh, you know, news publications, like we should make a comment about it. So I think on Twitter, she landed on saying something like, uh, you know, be careful the next time you wire money or something like so simple as that. And then um, as far as what was the oh, yeah, the LinkedIn post, I think. Is that the one you're referring to the LinkedIn one, right? I saw the Facebook one. Oh, that Facebook. She- yeah, I think it was a similar to Twitter. Lesson learned, be careful when you wire money. Okay, yeah. So I, we kind of just wanted to make it more, um, her standpoint, you know, mostly taking off of what she wanted to portray it on social media. Um, yeah, she didn't want to make it like a huge ordeal. She ended up getting a fix anyway. So I guess if it was to be more money, it would be a, a bigger ordeal. But she did get some really good press out of it. So I guess you can't be that mad about it. <laughs> I guess so. But kind of transitioning from one like unfortunate part, unfortunately that happened, I want to ask about like, what is the, your favorite part of your job? Mm, that's a good, I, I think I would say just getting to meet all the people I've met so far and getting to be on set. I feel like that's always been such a cool uh, industry for me. Um, I've always been interested in like behind the scenes, like what happens? How does this get filmed? Um, what are they editing out? And like getting to see that live is just really cool. I think that's definitely um, my favorite thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've uh, to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just going to say back to on top of, you know, going to, you know, different sets like Rachel Ray or anything like that, you know, Daily Mail or anything um, with the people like I just recently got to meet Justin Long, which is so crazy to me because I've seen so many of, of the movies he's in. So I, I even I even wrote like a like an Instagram post or sorry an Instagram story and I was just like twelve year old me is like freaking out right now because I remember him in the movie Accepted Dodgeball like he's just not that into you just to meet someone that I've literally loved movie or loved the movies that he's been in is crazy to me so that and going getting to be on set is one of my favorite parts for sure. That's awesome. And I was gonna ask. I've only been to New York one time, but I feel like every person in New York they're working, but they also have a side hustle. So I was curious if mm. you had a side hustle or something else you're working on. So um, I'm actually interested. I wanted to go back into drawing because I stopped that for a little while. Um, I don't currently have a side hustle, but I am interested in putting my artwork on clothing. So I'm kind of working through trying to figure out how I'd even go about that. And right now I've just been coming up with designs. I haven't delved into the business aspect of it, but that is something that is on my list to do for 2020. Thank you. Yeah. And then, so I was going to ask you like your, your social media, like obviously you're active on it, but you're not like building your personal brand or anything on it. Do you think if you start putting out clothing and stuff, you'll kind of start doing more stuff around building like a personal brand and things like that? Or like, what's your personal relationship with social media? Yeah, I think right now I, I posted for more fun things I'm doing with my friend, whether that's, you know, going out to restaurants or whatever and posting food and things like that. It's not me growing a brand. If I were or when I, I should say when I go, um, into trying to make my own clothing brand, um, I would definitely set up like a whole Instagram and, uh, Facebook page and everything like that. I think that is, I don't want that to compete with the job I'm doing now though. I feel like having that balance is something I'm actually a little bit, uh, scared of cause I want to be giving, you know, a hundred percent to both. So I think maybe that's another reason why I haven't fully, fully delved into it yet. That's fair. And I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but I was going to ask in terms of long-term goals, is there anything like really you're striving for? I know we talked about the industry changes so much, but is there anything that's a long-term goal that you're striving for right now? Um, I guess, I, I mean, I haven't like thought like too far ahead in that aspect. I think my next long-term goal would be to start the clothing brand. Um, I guess, are you, are you talking like dream? Like what would be like a dream thing for me to do? Or like, I'm going to be this, you know, the next title yeah. in my social media life kind of thing. No, like dreams. I'm talking like more so than even like a year. I'm talking like five, 10, 15, like, mm. so definitely dream scenarios. Um, I think I should do some more soul searching on that one, but I guess if I had to pick something, I would definitely love to be like a producer in a movie kind of thing. I think coming up with like a whole, uh, whatchamacallit, a whole script or anything like that. I did a little bit of script writing when I was in, um, FIT as well. And I really loved that. And like I said, I did copy for um, my last advertising internship. So I think just 
combining that with some visuals that I have in mind would be a really cool experience. That's awesome. And before I wrap up every podcast, I ask the same standard set of questions. But before we get there, I have two other things I want to ask you about. The first one being, can you talk about the relationship you have with your brother and your sister? Because it looks like it's a pretty strong one looking at your Instagram. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, my brother and sister and I were really close, actually. Um, The unfortunate thing is right now my brother is in England and um, we actually just found out. We don't know if he's going to be able to come home because of... Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, because of the whole coronavirus thing, which is super upsetting. Um, We're actually FaceTiming with him later today, so hopefully we'll figure that whole thing out. Um, But yeah, they are amazing. My sister, uh, you know, I look up to her a lot. She's 26. My brother and sister are actually twins. Um, So we've been really close our whole lives. Um, My sister and I always, you know, go out together. We have, like, similar friends, go out with all them together and whatnot. And then um, my brother, he's he's kind of – how would I describe my brother? He kind of does it all, honestly. Um, he's a, he's in the army. He was, um, he didn't pay for school at all. He made it through school through, um, you know, filling out all these scholarships. He's just like this Superman that I look at. I'm just like, I don't know how you're even real. Like I could never do what he does. He puts 120% effort into every single thing. So I look up to him a lot in that aspect. Um, and yeah, my sister and I are super close. We, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess her and I are more like um, similar in like our jobs and whatnot like that. But um, yeah, my brother's just like a a superhuman kind of person. That's fair. And then the other question I had was, do bathrobes get enough credit? Oh my God, they don't. They don't. Wow. How did you know I love bathrobes? (laughs) I found your YouTube and you talked about it in your YouTube channel. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, I think I have like four or five bathrobes total. I just feel like they're like, it's perfect. You just are wrapping a blanket around you. You don't have to hold it or anything like that. You just tie it. It's great. People don't give them enough credit because they, like people just think that you could just walk around with a blanket. And it's just like, why would you do that to yourself when there's this perfectly amazing bathroom waiting for you? I don't get it. So are bathrobes better than Snuggies? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Not better than Comfies though. What's a Comfy? Oh, that's one of Barb's um, top-selling brands. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know that. Um, but before we wrap up, so I ask everyone the same standard set of questions. I used to call it rapid fire, but they're not really rapid fire questions. So now I don't really have a name. I, I have write down Q and A in my notes, but like the whole podcast is a Q and A, so I don't really have a name for this. But the first question is: You're going to dinner, and you can take three people. It could be anybody, dead or alive. Who do you take to dinner? Wow. Um, good question. Okay. Ashton Kutcher. I love him. Great guy. Never met him, but I want to, um, another person dead or alive. Um, I'd bring my sister. I feel like she'd want to experience it with me. We both like Ashton Kutcher. Um, third person. Oh man. I don't know. This is hard. Is there, is there any um, specifics? Like, does it have to be in, like, the social media world? or like? Can no, be... it can be, like, literally anybody dead or alive, like, any person ever. Um, I'm so not good at this right now. Oh, God. Um, oh, I hate this question. I'm, I'm going to say my grandma. She's not no longer living, but I miss her, so I'm just going to add her in there. Okay, that's a good answer. One thing with Ashton Kutcher, too. I don't know how much you listen to podcasts, but he just did one with Dax Shepard and it was really, really good. In the armchair? The armchair? Actually? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. know he did that. I'm yeah, going to have to really listen. Good. Thank you. Did that just come out? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I want to say. Maybe a month ago. But yeah, okay. super good. Oh, dope. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Thank you. No worries. Next question. What is some of the best advice you've ever gotten? Oh, my God. I should have prepared myself for this. <laughs> some of the best advice I've ever gotten. I guess to just be authentic, I feel like that is becoming a more and more thing. I feel like when I was younger, I guess I, I, I've always been like a people pleaser my whole life. Um, and I guess that has, I guess this is more of a personal thing, not a social media thing, but um, just try, instead of trying to please other people, just like be who you are. And, you know, whether that's, you know, you being nice or you having to stand up for yourself, whatever that may be, just do it, do whatever feels right for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about making these answers social media related. I know they're kind of, you can't really okay. tie it back, so don't worry about that. Okay, perfect. When your alarm goes off in the morning, what is what motivates you to get up and out of bed? Mm, um, my cappuccino, I guess I'd have to say. 
that's the one thing I could be like, oh, sugar, great, let's do it. What's one thing about you people wouldn't expect? Hmm. I, I did like to say that no one would used to think that I was a DJ. That was like a big thing because now no one would ever, ever expect that I feel. Um, hmm. I guess I like to be... I'm sorry. I'm trying to like think hard now. That's okay. I kind of put you on the spot with these questions. No, it's okay. I like that though. I'm, I'm glad that I don't like know all of them beforehand. Um, I guess that I like to be alone. I feel like I do showcase myself with friends and stuff like that, but I really, really value alone time. Like I love just being by myself and I feel like people don't think that. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that's so important everyone needs to know? Um, personal hygiene is huge right now, especially right now. <laughs> people need to be washing their hands. People definitely need to be showering 10 times more than they usually do. hundred percent. So for the last question, I like to flip the script a little bit. And so instead of me asking the question, it's you asking the question, but it's not to be. So pretend you have this crystal ball and you can ask this crystal ball any question. What is one question you'd want to know the answer to? I don't know. That's a good question. I guess I would have to say something like, like the one question that I would want to know in the world. Mm hmm. Um, who's my soulmate? That's what I okay. want to know. Fair enough. But I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast. I want to give you the floor. Where can the people find you? Plug anything and everything you got right now. Oh, thank you so much. This is awesome. Um, people can definitely find me on Barb's page for sure. Give Barb a shout out, give her a follow. Um, but then for me, you can go on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Ariel Ray, but the L is a one. Um, and then for Twitter, me not even knowing my own Instagram, I mean, my own Twitter handle. Hold on. <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle is Ariel Ray, also with a one. Um, and those are really the two places I go. And I'm not really into Snapchat or anything like that. So, yeah, feel free to follow me there. Awesome. I want to thank you once again for being on the podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening. Whether you've listened the entire way through, you only listen to bits and pieces, I really appreciate you taking time to check this out. Do me a favor, go and follow Ariel on Instagram. Follow Barbara as well. Make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. And if you'd like to follow the podcast, you can find us on Instagram and at my social life podcast or on YouTube by searching up my social life. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.